evidence and answers. Where do we go when we want to hear from God? Many Christians today rely on inner voices, circumstances, and feelings. What we need to understand is where to really find the most reliable way to know God's will. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, Pat will be sharing a message entitled, God Has Spoken. We hope you enjoy today's show. Now, here's our host, scholar, and teacher, Pat Zucran. Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And as we begin, let's pray together. Lord, inspire us, teach us the value of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. We all want to hear from God. We all want to hear God's word. And today there's a dangerous trend that when we want to hear from God, we first look to signs, dreams, listen for voices, or hearing a special word from some anointed person. This is an unhealthy practice that many of us have adopted, that when we want to hear from God, we go away from God's spoken word and look to other sources of authority first. God has spoken. And his divine words are here in the Bible. When we want to hear God speak, we have to go to his word first. This is the divine, inspired, authoritative word of God. Over above, visions, dreams, or words of some anointed person, the word of God is what God has given us and is the supreme authority in the life of every Christian and church. And I know I may be stepping on some toes here, but it is the Word of God that is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. It is the Bible. In biblical times, God's revelation was not yet complete. And God spoke through special people, prophets, and apostles. And their job was to reveal God's revelation, which was developing at that time, and lay the foundation for the church to provide God's church God's word that laid the foundation for the doctrines upon which we are built. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That the church is built. That's past tense. It's an errorist past tense. It's done. The job of the apostles and prophets are done. Okay? And they laid the foundation of the church. There is no new revelation today equal in authority with the Bible. The Bible are the divinely inspired words of God given to us by the apostles and the prophets. Their job was to lay the foundation of the church, and one of their primary duties was to give us God's word, which they have done in its fullness. God's full revelation has been given to us in the 66 books of the Bible that we have today. Jude 3 says, To contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Once and for all, it's done. It's done. The revelation of God, the special revelation of God has been given to us. The foundation has been laid. It is done. There's no new revelation equal in authority to the Bible today. The Bible alone in our time is the inspired divine word of God given to us 
without error. So in our day, when we want to hear from God, the primary and most authoritative and trustworthy way is through his inspired word. This is where God has spoken. For this reason, Satan works so hard in getting us away from the word of God and look to other sources of authority and treat them as equal on authority as the word of God. Pastor David Jeremiah, tremendous Bible teacher. He's heard daily on the radio. And he says this, Satan isn't just given to one approach. If he can't take the word of God away from us by undermining its authority, he will take us from the word of God by giving us another basis of authority. Satan has developed just such a substitute and it seems to have a great attraction for many people. It's called experience. People become so wrapped up in their spiritual experience that they no longer look to the word of God for their authority. Their experience becomes the determining force in their lives. Two groups then are vying for our minds, but with the same end in view. Liberal scholars who would take the Bible away from us and those who hold to the experiential view who would take us away from the Bible. And throughout Paul's letters, he teaches us that the Bible, God's word, must be central and primary in our lives. There's no greater verse that describes the supremacy of God's word than 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, the outline of chapter 3 is quite simple. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, Paul gives us a warning of the coming apostasy. Okay, Apostasy is when people turn away from God's word. There are people who knew God's truth and turned away. There's a time coming when there will be a great apostasy and a great turning away from God's word, and we see signs of that happening already. Verses 10 through 13 teaches us how to prepare for that coming apostasy. And verses 14 through 17 teaches us how to confront that apostasy. All right, and it is with the word of God. How do we confront that coming apostasy, the false teaching, huge turning away from God that will occur in the final days? It's with the word of God. And Paul reminds Timothy here in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Now look at the first part. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture refers to the Old Testament and the writings of the apostles. How do we know that? Well, the apostles, when they were writing Holy Scripture, they knew they had a special anointing and that what they were writing were the divine words of God. How do we know that? Well, 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul quotes the Gospel of Luke, and he calls the Gospel of Luke Holy Scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, the apostle Peter calls Paul's writings Holy Scripture, right? So the apostles knew when they were writing divinely inspired words of God. So all Scripture refers to the Old Testament, and I'm also going to say to the writings of the apostles. It says all Scripture is God-breathed. Now the Greek word there, it's a fancy word, theopneustos, theos, God, neustos, the breath of God. In other words, Scriptures owe their origin and distinctiveness to God himself. The source of the Bible is God, and it expresses his truth. Not modern-day visions and dreams people are getting. It's the Word of God that is inspired. The Bible, here, the writings given to us by God's inspired writers, the prophets and the apostles. 
Skeptics argue the Bible is a human book written by human authors, so how can it be divinely inspired and without error? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Scripture does not find its origin in man, but man moved or inspired, moved along by the Holy Spirit. As wind blows into the sail and pushes a boat in a direction, so these men were moved by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God to transmit his word without error. Now, there's a lot of evidence that the Bible is divinely inspired, all right? There's a lot of evidence here. We, I'm not going to go through all of it today. You'll have to come to one of our seminars on the divine inspiration of the Bible. Let me just go through a few. We have the confirmation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection, all right, time doesn't allow me to go into the full defense of that. You can read our articles on the web or listen to my debates. But the evidence for the resurrection has never been beat. Gone up against the best skeptics and scholars, it's never been beat. He is the divine Son of God. Therefore, what he taught is true. And Jesus affirms the authority of the Old Testament and the coming writing of the apostles. Then we have the confirmation from fulfilled prophecy. No book has the prophetic legacy as the Bible. Over 700 matters are predicted in the Bible. Hundreds have been predicted accurately right on the dot. No other book. Go study them. No other book has such a legacy. People specifically named before they're even born. Hundreds of years before they're born, like King Cyrus in the book of Isaiah. Kingdoms described before they even exist. Daniel chapter 2. Events predicted centuries before their time. When it comes to Jesus Christ, J. Barton Payne in the Encyclopedia Bible Prophecy states there's over a hundred prophecies made of Christ which he fulfilled. Okay? An absolutely remarkable record never been matched. No other religious book, no other book comes even close when it comes to the prophetic legacy of the Bible. Then we have the confirmation from archaeology. Christianity is uniquely a historical faith. It's got literally tens of thousands of archaeological discoveries that confirm its historical accuracy. There's no other book like it. We were talking to a couple of Mormon missionaries in the office uh, not too long ago, and they said, the Book of Mormon is the inspired word of God. And I said, all right, show me the Mormon archaeology department. Show me all the archaeological discoveries that confirm the Book of Mormon. There isn't any. There isn't any. All right, but the Bible, you can go there, and there are literally tens of thousands of archaeological discoveries that confirm the historical accuracy of the Bible. Here's what some of the top archaeologists, and, and these aren't necessarily, you know, Christians, but here are what some of the top archaeologists have to say. Dr. William Albright, the father of modern Middle Eastern archaeology, says, There can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity of the Old Testament. Dr. Nelson Gluick, man featured in Time magazine for his tremendous archaeological work in the Middle East, says, As a matter of fact, however, it may be stated categorically, no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Sources of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear, outline, or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. Dr. Donald Wiseman, tremendous Biblical archaeologist says the geography of Bible lands and visible remains of antiquity were gradually recorded until today. More than 25,000 sites within this region and dating to Old Testament times in their broadest sense have been located. 25,000. That's absolutely remarkable. I'm not going to find a book with so much historical confirmation. Then, I guess the final one we'll do is the confirmation from science. 
Bible is not a science book, all right? But when it speaks about the created order, what it says is accurate and has, in modern times, been affirmed. The fact that the universe has a beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the universe out of nothing. For centuries, scientists thought the universe is eternal. We have discovered now what? The universe has a beginning. The scientific community is unanimous on this. They call it the Big Bang. Well, the Bible taught in the beginning. Time, matter, and energy had a beginning, all right? Genesis 1-1, that the universe has expanded. That's what we discovered recently with things like the Hubble telescope and the red shift, right? That the universe is expanding, that the earth is spherical, Isaiah 40, verse 22. The Greeks thought the earth was flat and rest like a plate and rested on a body of water, okay? That the earth hangs all by itself in space, Job 26, Greeks thought a large man held up the earth, a man named Atlas. Indians thought the earth rested on the back of two giant turtles. But the Bible taught the earth hangs all by itself in space, that the universe was custom designed for human life, Psalm 8, okay, the anthropic principle, one of the hottest ideas out there in cosmology and science today. So there's a lot of confirmation that this is indeed the inspired word of God. Now, our application then is this, okay? In our day, the Bible alone is the inspired word of God without error. And thus, it is our primary guide for truth and our guide for living today in the life of every believer and in the life of every church. Visions, dreams, voices, words of an anointed person are, are not always reliable, I've been in many situations where people said, thus says God, I heard his voice and, and it didn't come to pass, all right? I've been in situations where leaders get contradictory voices and instructions from God. Paul says this, the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. Above anything else, it's the Bible. There's a great confusion in churches and in the lives of Christians, when they turn their focus away from God's word and start relying on other sources of revelation over and treat them over or equal to God's word. Visions, dreams, voices, words of an anointed person are not equal in authority to the Bible. They are subject to the Bible. Even my teaching here today is subject to the word of God and under the authority of God's word. There's great confusion when Christians in their lives and when people in church turn to other things for their source of authority. And the Bible gives us the principles to apply that guide us in our daily decisions and how we should live and think. So scripture, the character of scripture, the Bible alone is the most reliable, inspired word of God without error. Secondly, Paul teaches us the comprehensiveness of Scripture. He says, Scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Okay, now the word profitable there, it's opheleo. Paul means that since the Bible is God's inspired word, it is essential, invaluable in the life of every believer and church. Okay, it's profitable. It is practical. It is useful for everyday living. 
And he names four things it is practical for. It's not a completely comp full list, but nevertheless, here's the four that he points out. It is profitable for teaching. The Bible is the source of our doctrine. Due to the rapid spread of false teaching, of false proclaimed apostles and prophets who are running around out there saying, I have the revelation of God, Paul emphasized the importance of sound teaching from the Bible. Weak Bible teaching and false teaching abound, abound in churches today. The Bible is the source of our doctrine and the foundation of our beliefs. It's useful for teaching, useful for rebuking. Rebuking is the process of making someone aware of their sin, okay, or their error in what they believe. Correction means helping an individual in a loving way to set straight their doctrine or correct them from sin and restore them on the right path with God. And training in righteousness is moral training and discipline that leads one to wise and righteous living. To sum it up in simple way, here's a way that a pastor friend summed it up for me, and it's been a great summary ever since. Doctrine keeps us from error. Reproof keeps us from sin. Correction keeps us from failure. Training in righteousness keeps us from foolishness. So to think correctly, to live righteously and wisely, comes from the study and the application of God's Word. There are no shortcuts here for the believer in Christ. We have got to get in and study God's Word. It's life-transforming, but it can only be if we study and apply it. You know, before conferences, I'm always on edge. You know, always on edge. And the other day, I was telling everyone about my worst nightmare, things that have happened in other conferences, not ours, because we have a wonderful team always working on it, but other, you know, and I'm there behind the scenes and watching this disaster take place, all right? And I said, that's my worst nightmare. And my friend looked at me and said, are you anxious? I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, you're in sin. And he caught me there and he said, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God that passes all understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and I was totally sorry. I said, yep, you're right. You're right. Hey, that's correction there. Okay, that's reproof, right? And so our life application here is this. Christians must not only know the word of God, you need to handle it correctly. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I've seen so many Christians mishandle and misinterpret the word of God, believe promises that were never made to them. We can take verses and use them to justify sinful behavior if we want. There's a lady the other day quoting scripture at me why she should divorce her husband and marry this guy at work who she made friends with who's also married. You've got to not only know the Word of God, learn how to correctly handle it. So many scriptures we could go through of how Christians mishandle, misinterpret, and misapply God's Word, bring devastating destruction upon themselves. So the character of scripture is that it alone is the inspired Word of God. It is comprehensive and it is competent to equip us to fulfill God's will in our lives. 
the competence of scriptures found in verse 17 where Paul states that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now the adjective there, complete or equipped, describes someone who is fit in shape or fit in condition. Okay? And let's go back to our elementary grammar here. It's a participial phrase. Okay? He describes him as furnished completely to do whatever God has called him to do. And it's in the perfect tense, equipped for every good work, suggests that this is an abiding condition. When you're rooted and grounded in the Word of God, you are equipped for a lifetime to fulfill the mission that God has called you to do. So Paul is saying, Timothy, if you will nurture your spiritual life in the Scriptures, that a God can use you in ministry, and that Timothy would be fully qualified and prepared to undertake whatever tasks God put before him. And the same applies for every believer in Christ. When we master God's word and God's word masters us, we are qualified to fulfill whatever tasks God has put before us, relating to our spouse, raising children, being used effectively in relating to others in the work field and in our culture discerning truth from error. We're fully qualified to fulfill the task God has before us. It is the studying, learning, and applying of God's word in our lives that makes us mature in Christ. Okay, the road to maturity and effectiveness in ministry goes through the word of God. It's hard to be used of God when we don't know the word of God and we're not guided by the principles of God. It's like when I tried out for the football team back in high school, I remember I came out late for the tryouts because some of us made the uh, baseball all-star team. And so we were playing all summer all over the place. And then finally we got to football practice, you know, and football, they start in the summer. So we got there and I got there and he said, oh, okay, you know, here's Pat. He's starting wide receiver from last year. Well, I didn't know any of the plays. I didn't know any of the plays. And so I said, Iolani, smart, right? I said, where's the playbook? We don't have a playbook. How am I supposed to learn the plays? Well, I don't know. Go ask somebody. Iolani, no playbook. I said, how am I going to run pattern? What are the things? I don't know. Where's the playbook? No playbook. Okay, so guess what? I couldn't play for several months. You know, I couldn't play. I didn't know the plays. All right, nobody bothered to write a playbook. Okay, and if they did put me in a game, I was running around like a chicken without a head. Hey, this is our playbook right here. All right. One of the reasons Christians and churches remain so immature is that they have strayed away from God's word and have come to rely on other sources for revelation. And I have seen and been in churches where leaders receive contradictory visions and messages from God, and, and it's a mess. And I was in a church where the pastor said, God spoke to me and told me we're going to build a gym. And the Christian ed pastor said, hey, we got limited funds. God told me we need a children's facility and not a gym, but a children's facility. And he said, God told me. Well, God told this. And now they're contradicting each other. All right. And they're fighting. I had to be in the middle of it. And I said, okay, why do you want a children's facility? He said, look at our facility. It's rat infested, roach infested. When we get there Sunday morning, women have to clean rat poop out of the cribs and everything. And look at the, who goes to the bathroom on the children's side? Everybody walks over. It's disgusting. And I said, oh, great, great point. We're the servant of the people. And he said, look at all the people that don't bring their kids to the nursery. They have them in service. Why? They don't want to put them in. That's a great point. 
Great point. If we want to reach young people, young families, we need a top facility for children and youth. Great. Okay, I can see that. I looked at the pastor. I said, why do we want a gym? He said, because God told me. And if you guys don't agree, get out of the church. And I said, Are you sure God told you? He said, God spoke to me. If you don't agree, get out of the church. Well, so we were going back and forth, back and forth. And I said, Pastor, there's pride here. Proverbs 13.10, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. I said, you're not taking advice. You need to listen to your people. Okay, and he said, if God told me that, then God told me. If you don't agree, get out. All right, well, eventually, you know, the staff all resigned from the church. To this day, decades later, that gym is not up. That pastor is gone. And the church went through a huge split over the building program and raising funds for the gym and all that. And the church split and they were gone. Well, was that from God? You know, when God speaks, it's going to come to pass. When God speaks, there's unity. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, please visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zutra. 